0: Stepping of this man, Luke Johan, bounce off from McNulty, and away he goes, Harry McNulty's Knight gets away, Knight, up to the 22, he won't be caught. Right, right, we're back, episode 12, episode 12, no Harry, no Harry today, he is busy, still in the Roxy, I think, Uh, it is Monday morning, he could still be there. Time difference, you never know.
1: Yeah, you never know. He say he was saying he was tired after the tournament, so maybe he didn't venture out this year. So we'll
0: have to wait till tomorrow and find out. But it is his birthday today, so we do wish him a happy thirtieth birthday to Big Harry McNulty. He's joining the gang in the in the thirties. The dirty thirties, the old the old man club. Uh, it's not it's not a great place to be but
1: i was getting i was getting rinsed in hong kong last week about this and uh, they all found it hilarious that i paid for my own netflix and spotify subscriptions (laughs) and they were like well your parents don't pay for that and that was the only thing where you could tell who was 30 and older and who was basically early 20s so yeah i was getting my pants pulled down over that do you pay for your netflix Nai?
0: Uh, I don't play for Netflix, but we pay for, I don't know, we pay for something. We've got everything, but we only pay for one. So I think we've got Netflix, we've got Disney, we've got Amazon and now TV, but we only pay f- for one of them. But it's like Beck's sister pays for one, yeah. Beck's friend pays for another yeah, and I've got BT Sports somehow. Uh, I think I did some work for a company once to give me his login details, and I just saved them. So got everything.
1: Sneaky Lovely. changes, pass changes, password.
0: I could do, yeah, I could actually. That'd be uh, savage, wouldn't it? So, how are you anyway, mate? What's uh, what's been going on over the past sort of two weeks? Any highs and lows? What's what's the news?
1: All good. So we're at the end of the league season now. With, uh, with the premiership here in Hong Kong. So we managed to finish second in the end, uh, beat a team called Kowloon. So we're into the semi finals next weekend where we're playing against Sandy Bay. And uh, if we win this one, then you get into the final. And if we win the final, then we're off to Vegas, baby. Vegas, baby. Sandy Bay.
0: <laughs> Sounds like a beach yeah, resort.
1: I <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. They. Um, I think they used to be the Cricket Club here, which is quite a famous place in Hong Kong, and I don't really know what's happened, so they've had to think of a name, and it sounds like they had to think of one pretty quickly and panicked and just went Sandy Bay.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Or a shit wine, just a really budget wine. Yeah. Some Sandy Bay.
1: Yeah. Um, What else? I did my speech at the St. David's Welsh Society, first kind of after-dinner speaking that I've done. Uh, to a crowd of about 110 people. So a few well-serving stories I was sharing to you about this. Um, Quite enjoyed it um but yeah it was a interesting experience uh if you've never done it before it's quite nerve wracking getting up in front of that many people but really good laugh going through all the old photos and videos that we've got stored in whatsapp groups and world sevens down the years and um yeah spent a good three four days just laughing my head off at different whatsapp videos and groups that i completely forgotten about what was the setup were you like powerpoint presentation front yeah oh yeah i had full that spotlights on microphone uh, there was the option to do a PowerPoint, but I started going through some of the photos and there was lots that couldn't go in. And by the end of it, there was about three or four photos that probably could go in. So I was like, it's not worth having a PowerPoint for three photos. So um, uh, yeah, just speak in and then a bit of uh, Q&A at the end. So it was a fun experience. Any crickets at any point? Any Any sort of tumbleweeds? Uh, I did mention uh, Russia at one point, and then something fell from the ceiling. So uh, you know, I'd never mentioned Russia in an after dinner, after dinner speech. They're always listening, um, and then there was one or two people who were pretty drunk at the front who were talking the whole time. But apart from that, it was all
0: good. Uh, what was the what went down the best? What what story or what comment went down really well?
1: Um, Well, now I kind of have to keep some of these closer to the chest because this is my after-dinner speaking career starting up. Um, But the the general theme of this speech was the funny stories that have come from a bunch of young Welsh boys going away from Wales, often for the first time, to foreign countries and trying the different food culture and just living on their own. So uh, there's a few funny stories around uh, a certain player trying to work out uh, currencies, in foreign countries i think you know the story um working out why he paid crossy we, we talk, <laughs>
0: talked about that I mean, that came up yeah. on one of the previous pods
1: <laughs> so why he was paying in kenyan shillings even though he only had british pounds in his bank account back home so there's a few few that kind of ilk of story so doing it for a best part of a decade you you pick up quite a few different stories so it was fun trying to sieve out the best ones there Nice mate. I look forward to potentially hearing one one day. How was um how was your week being now?
0: Yeah, I would say it's mixed week. A bit of a low light was I missed the northern lights. Uh I don't know if you saw the news. The uh aurora borealis aka the northern lights were visible in the UK last Sunday. Uh okay. Ironically, I just posted about Welsh Dark Skies Week which ran that week. Pode a post up about seeing the stars, went to bed, woke up in the morning to loads of messages from various people. Harry had messaged me and loads <laughs> of images of people who had spotted the Milky Way as far south as Wales, uh, even southern England. So yeah, it was a very rare event, doesn't happen very often, and I completely missed it. Uh absolutely gutted because I love my sort of night night sky photography. It's a very rare occurrence. Um, happens like I said once in a blue moon but yeah the next night it was also meant to be visible but in typical fashion it completely clouded over so oh, I, went, I went into the Brecon Beacons about an hour drive climbed Penavan which is the highest mountain in South Wales only to find myself in a load of cloud, and I couldn't see absolutely sod all. So I was on top of the highest peak in Southern Britain at half past 11 at night, and I couldn't see anything. So absolute shocker. That was four hours of my life. I'm never getting back. So
1: Well, that'll learn you, young boy, back, on it? You better get out on the first night.
0: Exactly. But it was quite funny seeing all the cars that night out that obviously they... Heard the news from the night before. They're also trying their luck, and I don't think anyone really saw it. But highlight probably yesterday I was commentating at the North of England Sevens, a prestigious school sevens tournament here in England, held just outside of Liverpool. A uh, very big tournament, 40 teams competing over sort of uh, three different sites, some of the sort of major teams from, especially Northern England, so big schools like Kirkham, Sedba, uh, Various other teams like that, Chlandubri were there. And uh, yeah, I was commentating on that all day and it went really well. Cold, but the weather held out. Some really, really good rugby being played. Uh, Under-18 tournament, Yeah, sensational rugby being played. Won by Sedbra in the end. Uh, very good final. Congratulations to them. But yeah, great tournament all round. But the highlight of that for me. So it was played across three sites. Um, I, we were on one site live streaming one of the groups because that was... The group was there. And then in once all the groups have been played, the teams come from the various sites and the knockout stages were held where we had the live stream. So everyone was sort of sat in the clubhouse, looking at the big screen, waiting for the scores to upload to see which teams were playing. And a lady opposite me was like, I think we got a team called Clan Flan something. I was like, Flandovery. I just chipped in. She's like, Oh yeah. I was like, She's like, Where are they from? I was like, um, sort of southern Wales. And she's like, okay, I thought this was the North of England Sevens. And I was like, (laughs) oh, dear Lord. I was like, it's not just a geographically constrained tournament where only teams from the North of England can enter. Ipswich are here. They're not from the North of England.
1: (laughs) She didn't have a problem with that one, did she? (laughs) I was just
0: like I just sort of kind of looked and I went no 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 North of England is just the name of the tournament. There's teams from all over the country and she's like ah oh, okay fair enough. And then off she went. I I just just cracked me up that did. But yeah, great tournament. Uh, congratulations to, to the Browns. Said but but yeah, it's sort of in the build up to Roslyn Park, which is in a few weeks. So yeah, it's been a been a mixed bag. But it was nice to get on the mic and watch some quality sevens.
1: Unreal. Yeah, that sounds really good. Some of my favorite memories from uh, college and sixth form is playing in those tournaments. It's one of the first times you really get to play schools from outside your area. So you're not playing all the same boys that you know. Uh, so I always found they really exciting days, early bus journey up, good bit of rugby and then good bit of laugh on the way back on the bus as well in college.
0: Yeah, it was good. Uh, Avon Bagshaw was there, actually. He was coaching Colin Clandrello from North Wales, the Gogs. They'd made the actual very short journey. So it was in Birkenhead. So it must have been like less than an hour from them because they were right up in uh, north, north of Wales. But I bumped into him. Nice to see him. Uh, and a few various players on the mic, which was interesting. A few various coaches that joined me on co-commentary. But yeah, a lot harder than it looks uh, commentating on Rugby Sevens for like eight hours.
1: Yeah, that's not too...
0: But it was nice... It was nice this time. I've actually had team sheets and numbers, whereas in the past, I've not had any team sheets and players haven't even been wearing numbers. So I'm commentating on rugby, which I've never seen before, people I've never met before, and I haven't got names or numbers. It's it's difficult.
1: That's how you learn, though. That's the wild, wild west of commentating, isn't it?
0: It is. It is. So, yeah, got a lot lot more appreciation for some of the World Series commenters and, and how well they do it after after that. But, yeah, it was, it was good. Right. What's what's the this is, this isn't sevens this week, Doc? Get us started with that.
1: God, so we've had two amazing tournaments on the World Series. There's quite a few things to go through. So this is sevens, we'll go to begin with. So we've had a couple of 50 cappers. Uh, Tyler nathan Wong with the Kiwi women, Stephen Thomason with America. Uh, we've also had quite a few try uh, milestones reached. So Abby Brown reaching fifty with the GB and England women, Comroy reaching a hundred, then the absolute mind-boggling number of Perry Baker hitting two hundred and fifty tries. And I think he's the only the third player in rugby to ever do this. Uh, we've also had some huge things of New Zealand women already qualifying for the Olympics with a couple of tournaments to spare. Argentina winning back-to-back titles in Vancouver. Uh, USA women met have medaled in the last five tournaments now and the Kiwi women are on a four-tournament winning streak. Um All incredible, incredible. Uh, Also, sorry, we had some amazing upsets in the tournaments. I'm sure we chat to these. Uruguay beating South Africa for the first time. I think that's absolutely monumental where where they've come. But this is Sevens this week. I'm giving it to our old mate. Join us in the 30s. Harry McNulty had another two amazing tournaments with the Irish Sevens boys. But yeah, this is Sevens this week. goes out to Harry McNulty joining the over 30-30 club. Welcome, Harry enjoy it and uh this isn't sevens um this is something that's been on uh on my mind for a little while now so canada sevens is one of my favorite tournaments it's one of a lot of people's favorite tournaments and um quite frankly i think there's a bit of a, a lawsuit coming from this is sevens so uh, to the tournament pre covid rocked into the stadium and what do i see plastered everywhere just this is sevens they've decided to use that as their slogan. So I was like, okay, it's quite common. Well, it's not that common, but it's quite interesting that after I started it the previous summer, it's now the slogan they want to use. This time round, what two colours have they chosen for their logo? Bright bright pink and blue, same as this is Sevens. And then about three different players messaged me being like, have you seen the T-shirts that Canada Sevens have brought out? Uh, this year, and uh, you know the t-shirts that we've got, Harry—the white, um, Nike—the white ones, and it's got the writing repeating itself down the backwards. What if Canada Sevens got undone? Only made a load of t-shirt with the re- repeating writing down the back in pink and blue. So um, this week, uh, this isn't Sevens. Goes out to Canada Sevens. This is your uh, official warning. Um, any more of this, and uh, I'm going to subpoena you. <laughs> I will
0: see you in court. <laughs> I'll see you in court. One thing you can, I have not seen it, I'm going to have to Google it and look it up, but one thing you could take from this is that it is free marketing for yourself. Uh, and People could get confused be like, my God, Luke's so big time that he is now sponsoring the Canada 7s. Yeah,
1: so this is what I was going to do. And then I was like, I actually don't even need um, it to be a real thing to start copying. Like this is what Photoshop was invented for. So I think I'm just going to potentially go full ball and just uh, start completely rebranding all the photos from Canada sevens with this is sevens merchant logos and um, just see if you can get like a fake lawsuit going against them.
0: (laughs) I love that. I love that. Did you, um, copyright the, this is sevens? Uh,
1: only in Europe. So obviously they, they seem to have found a bit of a legal loophole there, which might uh, hamper me a little bit. Um, but equally, I feel like I've got a lot of fans on the side of this is seven. So, um, yeah, I, th- I feel like we're in a good good space to win this. So it'll be one of the biggest court cases in the rugby world, really rock up world rugby. But um, I think it's just the right thing to do, really.
0: Netflix, get Netflix involved, make a documentary out of it.
1: 100%. That was actually, speaking of Netflix, <laughs> some lady was pissed at the front. Um, when I told maybe four or five stories in that Welsh Society speech, she just screamed out, "Ooh, have you got a Netflix series?" I don't know why. I don't know why I was getting heckled uh, by her, but um, that did tickle me a little bit. Did you click your fingers and be like, "Out,
0: get her go, out, get her gone. out, gone." <laughs> No, mate, I did not know about this, so I'm going to have to have a little look online. and
1: uh... I'm trying to keep it on the down low, so don't tell anyone. Uh, obviously, with these suits, you're not going to tell anyone. And then uh, you hit them by surprise with a mountain full of evidence.
0: Right, we won't tell anyone, uh, apart from the three people who listen to this pod. So, uh, yeah. My dad, your dad, <laughs> and... Las- Laszlo. <laughs> uh, fair play, fair play. Well, that's sorry to hear, but hopefully you, you take him down. Take down the corporation, mate.
1: Yeah, fighting big rugby. <laughs> big rugby's going down.
0: This is it. Well, we'll reflect anyway. We'll go back and look at, it's been a very incredible two weeks of, of Rugby Sevens. We'll, we'll go all the way back to LA Sevens, which was at the end of February 25th, 26th. Um, where New Zealand, it was just the men's only tournament. New Zealand won that. They beat Argentina to win gold. Uh, They're the first team to go back-to-back and win consecutive tournaments this season. Fiji finished third, beating Australia 21-19. Samoa finished fifth, beating GB on Golden Point. But the big two losers from that tournament were France, who ended up finishing ninth, and USA, who finished all the way down in 13th. Now, it was a hugely rain-affected tournament, Thunder and Lightning. Uh, I'm sure we'll talk about that. Conroy had some fun celebrating against Canada with his hat-trick. Uh, some some incredible celebrations there. But yeah, Uruguay was another one who could feel unlucky. They missed out uh, on points difference. So t- tough, tough for them. Uh, and Leroy Carter was the sort of standout player for me. Eight tries, uh, player of the final. He really turned it on for New Zealand. Uh, What was your thoughts on on that tournament, Doc? 100%.
1: um, I thought it was an amazing tournament. Like, playing rugby in the rain uh, is never too fun, although in LA it seemed like a lot of fun. It looked like the pitch was well designed for it being a football one. So, you could slide however far, but boys weren't really slipping over so it looked almost like a bit of that childhood dream where you could slide from like 22 meters out and you'll still be going into the advertising board so i did clip uh, a video i was quite happy with of all the different sliding dives all sorts going on uh, just because it looks so fun um again yeah new zealand massively impressive in that one to go back-to-back titles argentina coming so good uh second at the moment on the table um the probably the main thing that I was really happy with was just to see the GB men's team doing so well. Um, it looked like the kind of time on task, them spending uh, time in camps and playing enough tournaments together was really paying dividends. Uh, they just looked like they were all on the same Uh, him sheet they were taking their time to score tries they were making it difficult for teams to score against them and I think they were just looking really good in the balance of the team in the attacking threats the defensive threats and uh, that was really really happy to see them uh, kick on from the previous four tournaments it was always what we hoped would happen Um, so I was buzzing for the boys seeing that
0: seeing that go so well. Yeah they looked they looked really impressive and showing a lot more maturity and it's clear and obvious that now they spent a significant amount of time together. They're starting to click. Things are starting to be a lot better for them, and they're challenging the top teams. Now they've created a big amount of daylight between them and uh, Uruguay, uh, who are down in is it tenth place? So eleventh, Uruguay. Yeah,
1: Chibi ten. Yeah,
0: so that, Uruguay eleven. Yeah, this we'll talk about the standings a bit later on, but they were. They were very impressive. That Nathan Greenwood, the young lad, never seen him before. He was—he looks like he's got a set of wheels on him.
1: Sharp, yeah, he looked very, very good.
0: Very good. Anyone else impress you uh, outside of GB across across the uh, that weekend?
1: I think you mentioned him, Cordenroy. I think he's just like a social media man's wet dream. Just always coming up with funny ways to make people laugh. And doesn't even do it in a way that you're just like wound up by him. He's just very naturally a funny man. He's not acting out a character when he does it. and. Obviously, the clips of him sliding in went viral, but there was a few more from the weekend in uh, Vancouver as well, like finding the hidden camera in the tunnel. Um, so yeah, he just one of those players. He just—it's hard not to watch him and smiling how he plays rugby, but also the almost little sprinkles he adds on top as well. Um, so massively impressed with him. Um, Marcus Mineta is just getting. Better and better and better. Some of the tries now he scores. Uh, I don't think we've ever seen someone who's so gifted with the chip and chase or the grubber through and chase and then being able to, one, get there ahead of the defenders and two, control it every single time. Like I, I'm struggling to think of any um, kicks that he does through where he doesn't regain it. Like, how often do you see boys or girls bobble that? Um, or fallen it wrong. Um, and did you see the try he scored against uh, France in the group stages where it's chased through, he's got about four of them on his back and he still is the one who comes out with it, just bounces over the try line. Uh, I thought
0: he was phenomenal in uh, LA as well. There's no substitute for raw pace and he has got it in a bag's full. He is absolutely flying. But on that chip and chase... He kind of has the ideal mentor in his head coach, Santiago, Santiago Gomez Cora. He was renowned for the old chip and chase down the touchline. So it helps if he's your head coach um, to give you some tips on that. So it's, it's clearly something that's paid off for him. And like you said, he's going from strength to strength to strength. And if he can stick around uh, and does stay in the sevens game, who knows how many tries he can go on to score because it's frightening at the minute. He's just on absolute fire.
1: The other one as well, sorry, Argentina. I meant to mention him in that this is Sevens as well. Um, but Gaston Revol breaking the tournament record. Uh, which was held for quite a long time by James Rodwell. Uh, Unbelievable servant Argentinian rugby in the game of sevens. He's such an amazing player to watch play because he puts his body completely on the line in every single game. He's someone I always admired looking up to in terms of how he uh, acted as a sweeper. And I think he brought in quite a modern style of sweeping so close to the line. Um, He's not... A slow player by any means but I think he realised quite early on that there was definitely quicker players on the pitch so he really trademarked this as soon as someone is making a break he's about 10 metres back and he's charging into them as soon as they make a break so they've got about 5 metres to try and get up some steam and you're probably not going to have enough time to get around him and then you've got to try and go through him which you're not going to do either because his uh, tackle tech is his top draw so big shout out to Gaston to give him a shout out a bit earlier but yeah as a general within the Argentinian team, I'm loving seeing him getting fruits of his labour now, particularly in the last tournament in Vancouver.
0: Big up the Wolverine, 48 years old and still going strong <laughs> on the World Series. You say
1: 148,
0: yeah? <laughs> you could they could do studies on him on defying time. <laughs>
1: um, and then the other the other young lad who really impressed me, Roderick Solo again. Another quality tournament in L.A. Uh, Some of his footwork uh, is just incredible. And uh, he was doing that thing, which I always find impressive from players, where they run the length of the pitch and give the ball to your teammate over the try line just so they can score a try. Never really understood that mentality in my head unless you're helping someone reach a certain milestone or something. But um, that always shows how selfless someone is, I think, when they give give a try like that away.
0: Yeah, it's it's the uh, the Islanders love doing it. I always remember when Lee Williams was so close to beating the Welsh dry-scoring record, he chased boys down. I think he chased Rodri Davis down. He was like, yeah, yeah, Rodri, Rodri. Rodri kind of just looked at him, put the ball down, just completely unaware that Lee was like, joint record try scoring he needed one more to break the record. That yeah. always cracked me up. Yeah. So, it's it's one of those where you like you're risking just not scoring at all.
1: Well, it was was it the? I'm pretty sure it was the Samoans who he tried to pass it to his teammate, and in doing so, passed it forward to him, just literally handed it over. And the ref, you could see the ref is like, "Oh, please don't do it." Did it, and obviously has to give a scrum five then.
0: Yeah, that that was one of the all-time classics, that was. But from LA, uh, went on to Vancouver, which was a joint tournament. We'll stick with the men for now. Um, Again, very competitive. Three pools coming down to points difference. Um, USA in that fourth pool, extremely lucky to sneak through. I don't know if you saw that game against Spain. They were tied 19-0. Spain scored last play. And they celebrated for too long and didn't have time to take the conversion. So that meant that USA snuck through, uh, through through, a draw when the conversion was directly in front of the post. Strange, strange seems. But yeah, it, that kind of was very helpful for them after the poor week they had in LA and it kind of put Samoa down in the, in the bottom half of the draw and that meant they were one of the big losers that week. But Argentina won in Vancouver. They beat France 33-21 in the final. Both teams coming from the same group. Uh, second win for uh, Argentina on this year's series. Twenty, um, and Rodrigo Isco was the player of the final, but impressive was, uh, I think it was Theo Fournet, the DHL impact player for France. Yeah. He was impressive across the weekend. Eight tries for him. Australia claimed bronze. They beat Ireland 25 again. They were from the same group, which I don't know if that's ever happened before, both teams. No,
1: I don't know either.
0: Coming from the same group in the, the final and third place. Uh, New Zealand finished fifth. They hammered USA 57. Uh, Aggregate, 102 points to seven over two games. They again, uh, outrageous. Same group. Uh, Samoa finished ninth and South Africa 13th, which is unheard of for them. That was very, very unusual. Thoughts on uh, this weekend's tournament? Did you manage to watch much of it?
1: Yeah, managed to watch more, actually. It was on quite a good time for me. Um, and I feel it was much easier to get a hold of highlights on YouTube as well. Um, but no, I completely agree with your points there. Argentina are amazing. They're like a really likeable team on the World Series. Like they're always, they don't loads of them don't speak much English, but they're always really sound to you in the hotels seem really, really respectful. They seem like they've got an incredible environment between the coaches and the players. And especially when they have the new boys come in, they really, really look after them very well. They have one of the worst travel uh, times in the air, out of any of the teams coming up from South America all the time. So in doing so, they have to be a really, really tight group and they're always a team. Uh, I looked down and was like, like, if you could pick a team to play for, Argentina would be right up there. Uh, They've had some boys who've been around now for a couple of years and they've done some incredible things like winning that um, bronze in the last um, Olympics. Uh, And I just, yeah, there's so so much to like about them as a team um really really impressed r- really really impressed with Rodrigo Isgro as you mentioned um when I was writing some notes down there was a uh, two tries that they showed on world rugby sevens and one was him with his speed and then just absolutely plowing through the middle of like three defenders and then straight after that then there was an another le- he doesn't score the try but he sets the try up with a pass and I was like that's like a real hallmark of this Argentinian team and why I think they're doing so good like there's there's no one-dimensional players in their team every single player can add something else uh, they might have a main attribute which is speed but then they can also stick in some grubbers it could be a mental carrier but they've also got like deft hands as well um, and just the younger players they have coming in just seem to fit straight into the mould and understand where the teams are going which is probably you'd have to put that down um, to Santi in uh, in charge of the team as a coach but incredibly impressed with Argentina buzzing to see them win uh, and then to be fair I was also really really happy to see France up there we, we chatted about them a fair bit at the start of the season as going to be maybe some uh, underdogs uh, not underdogs like a wild card building up to the Olympics obviously it's going to be a massive year for them already qualified Um, and it was nice to kind of see the sleeping giant really wake up and get into the final Um, again so really really uh, sorry no again they've won bronze in the first tournament in Hong Kong Um, so yeah two it was nice to see obviously Argentina have been in quite a few of the finals this year but nice to see almost two slightly different teams away from like New Zealand and Fiji and Australia really doing well it was a nuts tournament for the results that were going on. You mentioned one earlier. We've already mentioned Uruguay beating South Africa. You also had Kenya beating South Africa. And this is what we want to see. We want to see anyone being able to beat anyone. And it's just going to make the product of seven so strong
0: across the men's and the women's games. 100%. And on the note, when you talked about Argentina, their sort of squad is that really good balance between experienced players and younger players coming through. You know, you talked about Gaston Rival 36, but people like German Schultz been around for a while, uh, Lu- Luciano Gonzalez, Santiago Alvarez, even someone like Matthias uh, Osadzuk, who won uh, Rookie of the Year about six, seven years ago. He's 25 now, captain. He's got bucket loads of experience. But you've got people like Mineta, 22. You look at some of the others, Austin, Austin Fraga, 21. Uh, R- Rodrigo Iscro, 23. And they've got several sort of young 20-year-olds, which they seem a lot more mature for their age, but I think they're brought on really well by the older players. But I think and uh, Argentina have got a great system where yeah. under 20s feed into the sevens and then the sevens can sometimes feed up to the, yeah. the senior squad. But they just seem to have this sort of conveyor belt of young talent coming through which matures very quickly and they can adapt to the series but they are an incredibly tough outfit to beat they they scrap for everything, they're horrible at times, they can play a really tight physical game but they can play that expansive wide game and with Manetta they got someone who you saw it in the final against France, just ping a kick over the top and just let <laughs> him chase it and, and he's going to beat anyone in a one-on-one foot race. so yeah real tough outfit to beat but they're really well drilled I think that's coming down to the tutelage of uh, old Santiago at the helm there
1: yeah no incredible um Worth mentioning Australia, they haven't had the best couple of tournaments after obviously winning the series last year and then starting with a win in Hong Kong. They look like they're re some form again, finishing with that bronze medal with the win over Ireland in that bronze medal match. Uh, and again, Ireland um, seemed to do really, really well in the tournament, but that top eight is so uh, top nine is still so close, they're just not really jumping up it as quickly as maybe they would have liked. But again, they're just such a solid World Series team. And obviously we're buzzing to see that with Harry leading the way.
0: Yeah, they, they had a few youngsters as well coming in and, and impress over the weekend. But we'll talk about the standings now. Uh, New Zealand's still top, 120 points. They're 12 clear, second place Argentina, who are the big winners after the last two tournaments. They, they've hopped up a little bit. Bit of change from there, uh, 14 points, No, 13 points separate them from France in third. Uh, France obviously already qualified for Paris, so that adds an extra dimension. Obviously top four this year qualifying. Fiji then in fourth. 14 points separate France in third to USA in ninth. So again, still all to play for. There's a little bit more of a buffer. But yeah, USA big losers uh, over the last sort of couple of weeks after that three points they gained in LA. And same for South Africa, three points gained in Vancouver. They've dropped down. I think from second to seventh. So yeah. But yeah, it's all to play for still. It seems to be that Argentina and New Zealand got a bit of a buffer now up top and it's kind of a, a seven horse race still to, to get that last two positions.
1: Yeah, e- equally though, like New Zealand and Argentina aren't safe. If they're going to have four bad tournaments where they don't make the cup quarterfinals, then they could equally see themselves drop out of that top four just as a mark of how competitive that is um i'm pretty sure in that last um olympic qualifier uh i think a team like new zealand had already qualified with maybe two tournaments to go so could go that way but yeah one to nine all well within the race to get into the olympics in france
0: it's very interesting and also interesting in terms of the demographic Uh, you think about which teams don't qualify, then go into their regional or their their area qualification. And if someone like Fiji, Australia and Samoa don't qualify, those three have got to shoot it out in Oceania qualifying. And that is going to be absolutely brutal. There's one spot to get there from that. Same with Europe, I guess France already qualified, but um, Ireland, GB, it's uh, those two will be Spain, yeah.
1: Germany. I actually still think um, Europe is by far the hardest region to qualify from. Um, We don't have... Maybe the teams that are flying near the top of the table, unless Ireland really shoot back up there, uh, and GB are going to be limited just by the earlier results. But I think out of all of the different regions, Europe is very, very strong in that kind of almost second-tier country and down. Um, and we've seen it before. Uh, Spain missing out on the World Cup, losing to Portugal. Um
0: there's so many banana skins in that European seven circuit. Yeah, teams that aren't on the series that almost have almost professional setups that can, in a one-off game, they can take down anyone and it's and it's ruthless, that Olympic qualifying tournament. So still to play for, like you said, four tournaments left, um, far from done, but it, it's really, really hotting up. Down at the bottom, uh, Japan, <laughs> uh, again, still collecting their ones and twos, binary down the bottom, they're, they're on 10 points. Uh, Tonga actually have more points than them and they've only been in two events. So that goes to show how poor Japan have been. And then Spain, Kenya and Canada occupy the relegation playoff zone. Uruguay, four points clear of Spain uh, in that 11th spot. So yes, yeah, it's tough down the bottom. Canada, not looking great for them.
1: No, I'd say obviously Japan are down in that relegation spot. Um I don't know if Canada are a bit too far off from trying to get into the uh oh sorry get themselves catch uruguay up and get themselves out of the next 3 but i think between kenya spain and uruguay there's a huge fight there to see who actually ends up in those two out of the three bottom places uh with canada i think and obviously there's going to be a massive showdown in london so they've only got three tournaments to try and push yourself back up so all these teams will be looking to try and get into the cup quarters i think only uruguay have done it at the moment in one tournament um and, yeah, it's it's going to be huge.
0: It is. And on that, three tournaments left, um, the draw for Hong Kong is absolutely brutal. So Kenya have found themselves in a pool with South Africa and New Zealand and Ireland. So it's going to be very hard for them to reach a cup quarterfinal from that group. However, Spain, a little bit more favourable. Australia, USA and Japan for them. And Uruguay, again, they're in with Hong Kong, GB and France. No easy pools, but... Makes things. Can you un- can,
1: can you call can you call a Hong Kong China please? Otherwise, you're going to get us cancelled.
0: Sorry, Hong Kong China. I do apologise. Uh, and Canada, they're in a tough group as well, alongside Samoa, Fiji, and Argentina. So it's not looking good for Kenya and Canada and Kenya uh, in the next tournament. But opportunities for Spain and Uruguay to potentially get into the quarterfinals and really create some distance between them and the playoff zone.
1: Yeah, it's one of those where it does look tougher to get into the cup quarterfinals for those uh, for Canada and Kenya. But equally, you could have a dreadful day one and a really good day two, and end up with um, you can end up finishing ninth and getting yourself a good uh, eight points. I'm pretty sure that is, which will go a really long way in terms of their qualifying. It's a spot we found ourselves in with Wales before, and. Day one often turned into see how well you can do. Amazing if you get to the cup quarter, but don't let your mentality drop because day two, game one is where uh, the tournament really gets decided. Obviously, if you're in the top cup quarter finals, amazing, amazing. But that day two, game one in the bottom eight is absolutely massive, particularly with what's on the line this year with the relegation.
0: I agree. We'll talk about Hong Kong uh, in a future pod. We'll move it on to the women. So they didn't play in LA because that was a standalone men's tournament. They played in Vancouver. New Zealand uh, went four in a row uh, to win in Canada, beating Australia nineteen twelve. Uh, that win also meant they have qualified for Paris. Uh, Sarah Hirini was the player of the final, and like you said, Tyler Nathan Wong uh, got fifty up on the scoreboard on the uh, appearances. Uh, USA beat France nineteen seven to win bronze. Fiji beat Canada to finish fifth and GB finished seventh, beating Ireland 25 to five. Now, one thing I will say is Madison Levi, she just keeps scoring tries. Twelve she scored in Vancouver, taking her up to 44 for the season. She's averaging nearly nine tries a tournament. Uh, she's closely followed by Michaela Blythe, who's on 38. But it it's it's an absolute joke uh how lethal and how talented she is. Uh in terms of the standings, New Zealand uh, extended their lead over Australia to 14 points. Uh they're on 98, Australia on 84. Uh two tournaments left uh for the women. It's looking like a kind of insurmountable Amount to claw back. It's not impossible, but given that New Zealand have won four out of the five tournaments and finished runners-up in that other fifth one, it looks highly unlikely that they will be dislodged from the top spot. Uh, Australia, two points clear of USA, uh, who are in third, and France, a fourth on 66, which again opens up Olympic qualifying to the fifth place, which is currently occupied by Ireland, who are 10 points clear of Fiji. So thoughts on the women, Doc?
1: Again, another fantastic tournament. I think in a slight um, difference to the men's one, it was almost the waiting for the meeting of the two juggernauts again in Australia, New Zealand, which we saw in the final an absolutely incredible final. If you didn't watch it, go on YouTube and watch some of the highlights from there. There was some incredible scenes. Uh, you mentioned Maddie Levi with her scoring prowess, but in that final, uh, did you see the try saving tackle in the first couple of minutes, where she managed to knock the ball out of um, the Kiwi girls hand and then also regained it and, um, Unfortunately, the penalty was then given to Kiwis and they did score in the end. But um you love to see that kind of fight from especially someone who's meant to be a pure try scorer. Um, just shows that just that desire to get back and save the day, make those big tackles as well. Um, really, really good tournament. Uh, obviously, New Zealand-Australia in the final have to give the USA women a massive shout out. The form they've been in has been incredible this year. So they've gone four bronzes and a silver, uh, not quite been able to win. One of the tournaments but two left I'd say they're still in with a really good chance for that they look like they've got something really good going on um, and they're definitely competing with your New Zealand or Australia which I think makes going into this Olympic year next year really really exciting Um Again, I always have my eye on GB just to see how they're doing. Um, Seventh finish, uh, which is uh, kind of the the middle for them again. They've gone a couple of spots higher and finished a couple of spots lower in previous tournaments. So again, another solid tournament for them. I I think they're probably a little bit too far away from Ireland in fifth spot. They'd have to make uh, 14 points in the last two tournaments Uh, if Ireland just have another pretty solid tournament, which they've done for The majority of the tournaments this year might be a bit too hard to catch them, but at least they'll set GB up for a good position when it goes to that European qualifier for the Olympics, which I know the coaching staff and the girls are all aiming for.
0: Yeah, I think 14 points is a lot to claw back, given the fact that the top three has just been dominated by New Zealand Australia and USA. Uh, France have snuck in and got one silver, but those three have kind of been... The, the standout teams from this year, uh, 14 points, a lot to claw up. But if Ireland do qualify, uh, alongside France in, in that fifth position, then it opens up a nice sort of European qualifying for them. There's not many other teams that could potentially trouble them. You're always going to get one or two that might cause an upset. Spain are there, but it, it, it bodes well for them. If, uh, Ireland do go through alongside France to, to qualify for the Olympics.
1: Yeah. Now the, uh- Chibi did have a big win on the first day as well against Fiji, which was class to see in Vancouver. So they've come really close to them in a couple of the tournaments. Uh, nice to see them get over the line in that game.
0: Yeah, and, and Australia put in a huge performance. I know they lost out to um, New Zealand in the final, but they, they they smashed USA 38-0 in the sort of semi-final after a sort of disappointing uh, result in their home leg in Sydney where they didn't make the semi-finals. They sort of put things right and... Again, great final, like you've mentioned. Some terrific skill and athleticism on display for both sides. But uh, yeah, that's a, a terrific battle between those two juggernauts of women's sevens. Uh,
1: did you see the um, poem that uh, Charlotte Kaslick had written for her for her 250th game that World Rugby put up as well? Um, remind me of the coach's name for Australia, Tim. Tim Walsh. Tim Walsh. At. So he'd written a uh, a really nice poem just to celebrate her as a player, going from kind of new and young into the setup and 250 games in as a captain and the leader. So it's a, <laughs> I haven't never seen it before, but thought it was a really nice touch um before the tournament in vancouver so that was cool to see and um was it a haiku it w- wasn't a haiku it wasn't wasn't even slam poetry which is a bit annoying as well it was actually just a really standard gcse english poem straight down the middle with
0: rhyming words <laughs> nice a lovely touch there.
1: yeah very nice very nice
0: they're up hong kong next as well uh pule new zealand canada gb hong kong china uh, Australia, Fiji, Ireland, Brazil, USA, France, Japan, Spain. I always find the women, it's is, is a lot different to the men, although it's not as competitive. You have 12 teams and there's always that opportunity for the third place team to slide through. So the pools don't necessarily aren't that as impactful as the men because uh, I believe the men is just carnage at the minute with teams slipping up here, there and everywhere. So that'll again be interesting and, and looking forward to watching them out in Hong Kong.
1: 100%. Um, I think obviously Pool A, Pool B having Great Britain and Ireland as the third, third place teams make those uh, groups more interesting. But again, there's slightly less pressure to get into those top two, um, which we have chatted about with the men's competition going to 12, how that'll affect it. Um, and I'm sure we'll have loads of chats about it going forward when this does happen the following year. But um, yeah, Hong Kong premier stop on the seven series series. I'm out here. I just can't wait for the next three weeks to happen, so we can get stuck into it. Because they're expecting a massive crowd, and uh, yeah, even just things like they got rid of the masks this week in Hong Kong. I think is attracted a load more people to want to come out and watch the tournament. So yeah, now it's in the in the build up to the big one.
0: Yeah, twenty four days hazmat suits for the ball boys again.
1: Uh, yeah, just in uh, <laughs> just in memory of what they had to do before
0: uh looking forward to that unfortunately i'm not going to be able to make it out my schedule has meant i'm busy but i will look forward to seeing what you lads get up to we'll have a couple of pods before then anyway so we will do a full preview of hong kong and hopefully get a couple of guests in before that kicks off in 24 days time in the start of April. Any shout outs this week, Doc?
1: Yep. So, uh, big shout out to F- Fernando Alonso. He was back on the podium this week at the Grand Prix. And um, to celebrate, he said he'd run the uh, emails, and questions, and uh, Instagram messages for us this week, which is very kind because uh, I imagine he's quite busy after that and preparing for the next race. So, uh, drop us a message. Uh, Mr. Alonso will get back to you with any questions. And if it's really serious, he'll uh, pass the message on to us.
0: Yeah, avid listener of the pod. He actually listens to it while he's racing. Uh, Some say that is the reason why he's back on the podium. Um, You know, we we were absent for most of last season and now he's got, uh, this is Seven's pod in his ears while he's racing. He's putting in the performances to get back on the podium. So yeah, thank you, Fernando. Big fan of the pod and and good luck for the rest of the season.
1: Thank you very much.
0: Any closing thoughts, Doc?
1: Um, Yeah, just... How confusing it is going to get if China qualify for the World Seven Series in the women, and then you say Hong Kong, China, and China in the same group? Like, it's just going to be a right debacle, isn't it?
0: What world we live in! What tangled web, world rugby are weaving! Thanks for tuning in. Uh, until next time, Diocmeau. Thanks, Doc.
1: Diocmeau, Solange. Solange.